0: Today's New Testament reading is taken from Philippians 3, verses 1 to 8. It can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 198. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our sermon text comes from 2nd Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. And that would be pages 332 through 333 in your pew, or I guess it's seat Bibles, actually, if you're wanting to follow along. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha, his apprentice who was to take his place in the future, went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I'm not going to leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters. And they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes, tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, before I get properly started, I would just like to say what an incredible pleasure it is, not just to be in the IPC again, I love that, but to stand up here again and look into all of your faces. So many people I do know, so many more that I don't know, so many skin colors, so many backgrounds, so many people from so many places, You know, just the one thing that's really difficult about the IPC is the way you have to say goodbye to so many people and the number of faces here that I haven't seen before because there's just a lot of change that happens in a church like IPC between the time when my wife and I were here very regularly and now that I'm a minister in the Reformed State Church outside uh, outside of Zurich. And I guess realizing that, it almost goes into a little bit about what I want to talk about today. Um, A month or so back, I was, you know, surfing around on YouTube, the way you do, and I noticed a completely random link to a song from the 1980s. I clicked on it, and wham. All of a sudden, it was long, long ago in a galaxy very far away from here. Specifically, it was 19—I mean, it was 1985, and I was 13, and the summer was drawing to a close, and there was a hit song on the Italian charts called "Le Sta Finendo." Do we have any Italians here? No one. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, (laughs) Right. Well. Okay. You know. I guess the best translation of l'estat, sta finendo would be the summer is finishing or is just about over. That song was a big hit in Italy that year and probably nowhere else on the face of the earth. Um, it was sung by a guy called Stefano Riggi. Um, he had like in the, the video, if you click on it from YouTube, um, he has this purple silk jacket and a spiky bleach blonde mullet. Yeah. And an entire choir of synthesizers. Do you guys, non-Americans, English speakers, native, do you know what a mullet is? For those who aren't sure, a mullet is when you have your hair real short in front and real long in back. So it's like business up front, party out back. I would never admit to having had a mullet in this church. Actually. Um, Patrick, I got a chord chart. I, I can actually sing that song. Could, you want to come for me? No. Okay, I used to do that to Patrick in evening worship services. I would show up with a chord chart and make him play it for me with zero notice. I'm not doing it. It's okay. Whoops. Um, page upside down. There we go. Now, unless you have a really big thing about the 1980s, that was not a very memorable song but it sticks in my mind. You see, my dad was a Calvinist Baptist pastor trying to start a church in a Sicilian fishing town. Okay? I was also homeschooled, and I didn't hear much of anything musically that didn't also come out of the 16th century. But about 20 kilometers down the highway, my dad's colleague, also had a church. And that church had a youth group. Now, in my dad's church, it wasn't just that the songs came out of the 16th century. As far as I could tell, all of the young ladies were also probably born in the 16th century. (laughs) But that youth group had girls. And during their summer camp in late August, those girls also had a radio. And as the two weeks of their summer search camp, summer sorry church summer camp, drew to a close, we spent quite a lot of time listening to that song. And so on and so forth. And the summer's on its way out. And it was. It was late August, and pretty soon I was going to be back in our fishing town, with the homeschooling and the hymns, and the girls, right out of the 16th century. And it so happens that my father and their pastor weren't getting along very well, so I kind of knew that I was not going to be seeing that youth group very much more in the future. And I found my 13-year-old self getting the first really jolting sense of a reality that all of us, have to come to terms with. Nothing good lasts forever. In retrospect, a 13-year-old's summer of friendships and sort of almost maybe romance may not seem very profound, but believe you me, my goodbye to the summer of 1985 was truly epic. And for the first time in my life, That finendo thing really meant something. The question is how do we learn to let go? In particular, of the people we care about, but also of other things that we're emotionally invested in, like life tasks, phases in our professional lives, in the lives of our families even places or institutions that we have come to call home. How do we learn to let go? Well, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I'm staying here. How do you deal with the realization that something good is coming to a close? Well, one possibility is just to walk away from it, which is effectively what Elijah asks Elisha to do. Only Elisha says, Nope, sir, yes, I get it. The days are getting shorter. The autumn is just around the corner. It's still hot outside, but I am not yet ready to pack my bags and leave. I'm staying. If the Book of Kings were a modern novel, we'd have pages and pages of interior monologue about this. Like, why is Elijah trying to get Elisha to go? Well, on one level, because it's something like elijah's final test his final examination where he'll prove himself fit to be the man who will bring elijah's work into the future but it is also a case i think of elijah himself struggling to come to terms with the facts that his times or his time a on this earth and b in this very deep friendship all it's coming to a close. And um, he maybe isn't dealing very well with these facts. Is Elijah maybe at a very subconscious level provoking his younger friend Elisha into walking away to make his own leave-taking a little bit easier? I don't know. That's just my hypothesis, folks. But if that is part of what's going on in this story, Elijah would hardly be the first or the last person in history to push people into leaving because of his own hang-ups about letting go. Yeah, Not by a long shot. Letting go is far more easily said than done. It's messy, it takes longer than you think, and it doesn't always bring out the best in us. What is impressive is Elisha's dogged determination to be there with Elijah. Even if Elijah is not doing a great job about holding up his end of the friendship, that takes a very big heart and a very thick skull. And uh, as I wrote that line in preparing the sermon, I found myself thinking back over the years and asking myself, how many people have had that kind of big heart and thick skull for me over the years? Maybe not all that many. Of course, then I also got to thinking about how many times I was in Elijah's position and pushing people away. And I was like, you know what? Let's just get this sermon written, finish or something. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? Isn't it amazing how people seem to love easing your transitions in life by telling you things you already know? But it's almost as though Elisha understands that that too is part of the messy stuff involved in saying goodbye." He doesn't get angry but he doesn't change his minds about what he believes to be the right way of doing it either. He simply says, "Yes, I know," be still. And you'll hardly believe it. But everything, but everybody actually goes through this whole rigmarole three times or actually, if you've been in this kind of situation in the past, you won't have any trouble believing that. Because that's the way the messy reality of change works. Think about the emotions involved when we have to make sense of the death of someone we care about. Or the breakup of a relationship. Or your kids growing up and moving out or losing a job. Um, Several years back, decades back actually, people started talking about stages of grief. You know, like denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And while it does make sense to talk about all these different emotions, if you think that stages of grief work kind of like the stages in the Tour de France, yeah, you're in for a world of disappointments. Now, true, I understand that pharmaceuticals do actually help in both cases. But otherwise, if you are expecting stage whatever of grief to be something you can just finish and then you move on to the next bit, guess what? You are letting yourself in for a world of disappointment. Accepting loss and moving into the future is less like a stage race than one of those board games where the people you're playing with keep on sending you all the way back to the very first square when you thought you were finished. But that doesn't mean there isn't such a thing as doing it right. There is. Elisha does. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, I remember hearing this story in Sunday school and thinking that Elisha was being really selfish here. Uh, Elijah is about to leave forever, and all Elisha wants to talk about is getting this double portion of something. Well, just in case your knowledge of ancient Near Eastern laws of succession is also a little weak or rusty, What Elisha means when he talks about a double portion is that he wants to be Elijah's heir. He wants to be there, to take over the family business, carry the torch, or in this case, literally, to take up the mantle. By the way, the English saying, to take up the mantle, it comes from this story. And what Elijah is, in effect, saying is this. Old friend, old teacher... I recognize that it's time for you to move on. But listen, before you go, you know all the wonderful times that we spent together? Well, I want to do a whole lot more with all of that than just post anniversary pictures on Facebook. You started wonderful things, and your work was not in vain. It's not just you go, I stay, it's you go. And I carry on. People talk about putting the past behind them. And there's definitely something to that. But if we're going to do change in a truly healthy way, it's just as important to realize that there are things from the past that have a place in the future. And to embrace those things. And to go out there and look for a double portion of the good stuff. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And that, that, is why we're talking about this stuff in a church service. Not because I think that if you have the faith of Elijah You'll be taken up to heaven in a fiery chariot too and your family won't have to plan a funeral. Sorry. This is not the story even of how Elisha thought Elijah was going to die but then it turned out so he didn't so everything was cool. All good things come to an end. That's the way life is. Even the fiery chariot doesn't change the fact that by the end of this story Elijah is gone and Elisha is sad, and he has to continue on his own. But to trust in the God of Elijah and Elisha is to trust that God is there when good things come to an end and that he will not just wander off or let them trail off and disappear. Back in 1925, um, the poet T.S. Eliot wrote one of his most famous works. It's called Hollow Men, and he wrote it in a time when he was struggling with a lot of disillusionment and sense of loss. Um, Partly that was the aftermath of World War I, um, his struggle to find religious faith or regain it, um, the failure of his own marriage. And here's how the poem finishes. He takes up a nursery rhyme, and it goes... This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Now believe me, I get where T.S. Eliot is coming from. I've sung that song at regular intervals in my life ever since 1985. I can rock self-pity and despondence with the best of them about friendships, jobs, churches, U.S. politics. It even describes a few workouts I've done recently as I realized that my body can't take as much punishment as it used to. And by the way, if you take a while to read the story of Elijah's life, there were times when Elijah sang that tune. But Elijah's story doesn't end with a whimper, nor with a bang. Elisha's story and Elijah's story move on to their next acts in a chariot of fire. To trust in the God of Elisha and Elijah, to trust in the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is to trust that as we come to accept change and loss and partings, we are not thereby parted from God's power. And we have not lost God's blessing. And the process of accepting change and the sorrow that goes with it, as uncomfortable as that may be, it leaves us stronger, better, kinder, and more blessed than we would ever have been without it. And Elisha said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there. And Elisha crossed over. Folks, they start the stafinendo. It may be crazy hot outside, but the summer of 2016 is slowly coming to a close. So maybe take that as an opportunity to think about some of the changes, transitions, and points of loss in your life, because they are there—the big ones and the little ones the stuff that's happening right now, and the stuff that maybe happened back when you were a 13-year-old on your way home from summer camp, unless you are now a 13-year-old on the way home from summer camp, in which, yeah. Whatever your situation is, while you're studying it, while you're thinking about your own leave-takings, think about Elisha and Elijah, too. And about what a beautiful and blessed thing it is when we do it right. The summer of 2016 may soon seem as distant as synthesizers, purple silk jackets, and spiky bleached mullets. But God still has that fiery chariot chariot of blessed change waiting for us. And who knows? If we keep our eyes open, and our hearts big, and our skulls thick, and our expectations realistic, and our faith true, we just might see that chariot too. Amen.